You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Hey everybody, welcome to Rocks Across the Pond. It's a curling podcast coming to you from Richmond, Virginia. My name is Ryan McGee and Jonathan Havercroft is joining me from Southampton, England. We're recording this Monday afternoon here in the United States and as it stands, every men's and women's Olympic team has played six games and we're gearing up for the run into playoffs the women's side especially is crazy, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> so between second place and fifth place, there's one game. So everyone's either four and two or three and three. Yep. That's all the way down to seventh place. Seventh basically. place. Yeah. So six you teams bet. are within a game of each other. Yeah. And Switzerland has a loss. So they're at the top of the standings at five and one. Japan, Sweden, and the United States sit at four and two, followed by Canada, Great Britain, and Korea at three and three. Any of those teams could make playoffs. Yeah. The only, so the, t- the one team that's definitely out is the Russian Olympic Committee team. Mm-hmm. And that's probably, I'd say that's the biggest surprise on the women's side so far. Cause like we said, any of the, the eight teams we listed that included ROC could win it. Uh, so that's like the one team that's fallen away. China yeah. and Denmark are at the bottom. We kind of figured that would happen. And then it's just a log jam with Switzerland a little bit ahead. Cause I still think Switzerland's, you know, if you want to be the man or in this case, the woman, you got to beat the woman and they're the women. Yeah. And Hasselborg did that this morning on the East coast in order to get up to four and two and what was a, a huge win for Sweden. Otherwise they would have been among four teams at three and three. Yeah. Yeah. And Jen Jones, two quick solid wins in the last, I guess I can't, my, my sense of time is all messed up with the Olympic <laughs> cycle, but they're last, they've got two big wins over the last, let's say 36 hours. Right. Yeah, they did. They had their their backs were kind of against the wall, and Jennifer Jones, with two outstanding games, has Canada right in the thick of it. And the way she's playing, that becomes a very scary team because um, you don't want to face Jen Jones when she's playing the way that she is. And Canada's next game will be against the United States. That will be, uh, let's see. Canada's next game will be against the United States. They also have China and Denmark to end the round robin. So comparatively to other teams in the field, kind of an easier run in for Canada. So they could very easily finish six and three, I think. Yeah, they've so they've run the gauntlet and survived they, they don't they're definitely not unscathed if, if you had you asked me 36 hours ago i was like they can afford one more loss or they're toast and uh and i was looking at the their last two games and they, they kind of won two that they had to i got to watch the the gb canada game this afternoon at work kind of on the screen while doing other tasks uh and they, they look very solid start to finish that team and jj was she was just in that mode where she's not going to miss and uh they just kind of picked 
pick Team Muirhead apart. Um, so they looked good there. If they play like that, they're scary. Uh, the United States, Tabitha Peterson has had an outstanding tournament, and that was on display when they played Korea last night, a big win for the United States to get to 4-2. and two. However, they finish with Switzerland, Canada, and Japan, a tough run-in for the United States. And really, they got to get in position where Tab isn't having to save the day for them. She had to do that a couple times against Korea, but overall, overall the team played well, but a couple of big shots for Tabitha Peterson kind of kept things from potentially going sideways for them against Korea. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get to see that one. I saw their, like their brutal loss, which I think it's, it's tough. So basically I'm getting all the GB games. I saw them when they lost pretty decisively to the team Muirhead and you know, I think I think that's one thing that's weird about the Olympics is you're probably getting all you well, you're obviously getting all the USA games primarily. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the Britain ones, and you never want to like dismiss a team off their worst. That was clearly their worst game of the tournament. Like you're every in a, a tournament like this, you're probably going to have a stinker, and that was definitely their stinker. But uh, they got picked apart pretty easily in that game. Yeah, that was that was by far and away their worst game. Hopefully for them. Uh, it goes a little better the rest of the way, and they're going to need it with that that very tough schedule going in. They also got absolutely no favors from Monday morning's slate of games, where really they, if the three games this morning had gone basically the opposite, if Switzerland had beaten Sweden to clinch a spot in the field, and Canada had lost to Great Britain to fall to four losses, and Korea had lost to Japan to fall to four losses, the United States would have been sitting pretty. Now, in with this glut of six teams that are all within one game of each other, it's a it's kind of a precarious position. Um, but they're they're fully capable of having a good run in and, and making this making this playoffs. Yeah. So here's the thing we're disagreeing about. I think four losses knocks you out here. You are running through, there's always scenarios where you, which you can kind of run through, but I think you pretty much want to be six and three. I think that fourth loss, then you're looking for help. And I can tell you over the course of my curling career, you very rarely get the help that you want or need. Well, well no, I think someone gets in at five and four and it'll, whoever gets in at five and four will have to have, I mean, the luck of the draw probably, literally in terms of, of DSC, mm. but I think you're going to have a multi-way tie for the last playoff spot with teams at five and four. I do not think that you will have four teams with fewer than four losses out of this group, hmm. especially right. looking at the way, especially looking at the schedule in who plays who. Um, pretty much everyone has a tough schedule except Canada yeah. <laughs> coming home, I think. Uh, I mean, it, with this really tough women's field that we've talked about, everything is kind of relative. And really, Canada is the only one that has a relatively easy run into the playoffs. Yeah, I think the other team that I think is there and dangerous is Team Kim. We haven't talked about that. Oh, I them. agree. They're the end three. And their run-in is, it's not easy-easy, but it is uh, Switzerland, which is going to be tough, then Denmark, then Sweden. Tough run-in, but they're certainly capable of kind of knocking all those teams off also. So, And I'll tell you what, they were really close to being done. I mean, they had two pretty tough games 
especially the one against China, which I don't know what I did not get to see that game, but they dropped an extra end game against China. And who knows what the, these standings would be insane if Canada, if, if Korea had somehow won that game. Yeah. But Kim and Jong this morning against Japan was incredible. I mean, whatever she wanted to have happen, she was making happen. Um, really just had the rock on a string, had a pretty impressive uh, double that the commentators weren't sure that she should have tried it. But I think it was just a heat check kind of shot that she <laughs> made to just completely control the scoring area and leave Japan with nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they can they controlled that game throughout beating Japan this morning. Yeah. And that and Britain's run in is Japan, which is the next game. I think that's the one that decides it for them because then they've mm -hmm. got China and then uh, no and ROC. So they've mm -hmm. got two teams at the bottom of the table. So if they lose, then they're hoping for that five and four scenario. But if they win, they, they can win out and go six and three pretty easily, too. So I. I'm not saying this is exactly what's going to happen, but it kind of feels to me like on the women's side, Sweden, Switzerland looking pretty good. Uh, and then G I think GB and Canada look pretty good in terms of their run in two. Uh, so I think you get those teams at six and three. USA has got that brutal run and they fall to five and four. And uh, Korea also has a tough run in. So maybe. Yeah. I, but it's I, curling, so anything can happen. I couldn't begin to tell you who is going to be the four teams. I feel pretty good, like you said, about Switzerland and Sweden. I feel much better about Canada than I did 36 hours ago, like you said, especially the way Jen Jones is playing. And then after that, I mean, you could wind up with like all of those teams at five and four, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or three teams, three teams tied at five and four for the last playoff spot. It's it's going to be wild. It really is, and I, I you're going to be flipping fly back and forth between games like like I will. Yeah. Men's so side, I think the men's side is pretty straightforward. Honestly, I think that there's there's a game tonight as we record this uh, Monday night. The United States will play Switzerland at. 8 p.m. Eastern time live in the United States on CNBC. Uh, and honestly, I think the winner of Switzerland, the U S is in the turn in the tournament, in the semifinals. Yeah. That'll be a big game for sure. Because right uh, now, as it stands, Sweden is six and zero. they have already qualified for playoffs. Great yeah. Britain is behind them at five and one. Canada is at four and two. And then you have three teams at three and three, which is Russia, Switzerland, and the United States. The problem for Russia is twofold. One, they have already lost to both Switzerland and the United States. So any potential tiebreaker, they're done. They would have to finish uh, above both the US and Switzerland outright in order to get that fourth playoff spot. Uh, Russia also finishes with Norway, Canada, and Great Britain. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, you hate to say it, but I, I, I do not think Russia is making the playoffs. Probably not. So Probably then the not. winner of the United States versus Switzerland, 
would then have to lose their last two games and the other team would have to win their last two games in order to leapfrog them. So that's why I really think it all comes down to this U.S.-Switzerland game tonight. Yeah, because I think they both have... So USA then has Italy and Denmark, so Mm -hmm. bottom of the table again. Switzerland actually has to play Sweden, but if Switzerland beats the USA and then loses to Sweden, they'll have the tie break on the USA. Yeah, and then Switzerland's other game is against China. Yeah. Who has played well. They're they're definitely not a a free space on the bingo card. They aren't. And I mean, that's the, the one thing that gives me a bit of pause, like is often when you get to this stage of the tournament and you've got a team that's out of it, like, I don't know, like maybe say Australia <laughs> and a team that needs to get in. Like, I don't know, yep. say John Morrison, <laughs> Rachel Holman, uh, weird things happen, right? So you don't want to just like think that's a free space. That team should beat that team because those teams that are out of it, they're playing without pressure and they're just out there to have fun. Whereas the teams that need to win, they're going to be pressing a little bit more. So, and you can't, you can't be like at this level, the difference between the worst team and the best team is not much. So if you're pressing a little bit more, miss a couple of shots, uh, bad things can happen. Right. And if you're looking for any candidates at two and four to pull a Schuster, uh, team Norway is currently two and four, and they finish with Russia, China, and Italy. Three winnable games for for Norway. The question is, would five and four even get them the opportunity to win tiebreakers to get that fourth spot? I don't think so. I think it's I think it's uh, six and three. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, team USA. Uh, I. You know they've 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 been very up and down. I've had to see I've seen John Schuster forced to throw a lot of save shots, and a couple of times that did not work out. Uh, one was the game that they lost to Norway. Schuster was just forced to throw save after save, and then um, finally wasn't able to make one. Gave up a steal of two, and that was kind of the big turning point in their game against Norway. And then against Canada, same thing. Had to throw a save shot. I actually had to throw a a couple of them with with both of his shots, neither of which worked out, which led to a big steal of four for Canada that basically uh, ended the game. Yeah. And then from there on, the U.S. played fairly well. They they brought in Colin Huffman. He got to play in the Olympics, which is awesome for Colin. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the, the thing that I've noticed watching the U.S. is they've kind of had their struggles with with reading the ice and re and knowing what the rocks are going to do. They've had a few over curls. Now I've seen almost all of their games. I haven't watched the other teams consistently enough to give you an idea of if they're having trouble more so compared to other teams, but that is something that I've noticed with the U S and that was something that they talked about coming in is one, this was a new set of rocks. I saw the joke that uh, Jules Ocher, who is Canada's, coach and the legendary rock whisperer that uh, mm-hmm. this was a set of rocks that would not be in his rock book. Um, <laughs> and then kind of the crazy things they've had to do in this facility to keep the ice with actually trying to get humidity in to, to keep the ice. So um, I have noticed the U.S. having a little bit of trouble there in getting things set up for, for John Schuster. And some of that may be related to figuring out the ice and figuring out the rocks. Yeah, I... 
Yeah, I think that I, it's curling less, I think, than um, slam ice for sure. Okay. It's not super straight, but it's 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 interesting to me that it's not breaking as much as you might see at a slam, and I think that's throwing a few teams off. Um, I, a little bit because I, I watch a lot of GB and they've kind of gone to that high rotation style, mm-hmm. which is a little bit straighter. I think earlier in the competition there was a few a few things, especially on come arounds where they were struggling a little bit. Not they're they're both playing really both teams playing really well, but it was a bit noticeable there. Um, one one thing I did hear Kevin Martin say on TV here in the United States was that the ice makers, I think this was about a day ago, they started nipping more pebble off the top to try and encourage rotation. And basically what that means, if you're new to curling, and this is something that we did not cover in our Welcome to Curling series, is nipping is they will take a blade and they will kind of cut the top off of the pebble that they lay down and that will uh, encourage more curl. And they've started nipping just a little bit more off of the top to encourage more curl. What what would that do to the ice late in games, Jonathan? Would that make the ice break down uh, quicker? Uh, yes. So I I think well I think at the Olympics and modern ice techs they're pretty good at making sure the pebble lasts the full game. But one thing is that if you're playing at the Olympics, especially the men's competition where all those teams have got beasts that just pound it, um, that can, and you know, that can flatten the pebble out. So they're probably a little, I assume the Aztecs are a bit reluctant to clip too much off. Uh, cause, uh, as much as we all like big curl, um, if you lose the pebble, that's actually worse. Right. So and that happens a bit. Like you, there's definitely been some kind of famous draw shots, uh, especially at the briar the last few years where, you know, the, the, the Gushu one, right. Where there's a little bit of a, I think it was with uh, Jeff Walker telling Brad, it's a, it's about six feet slower. Mm-hmm. And that's like a sign that the pebble's starting to go. Um, and uh, if you remember that shot, it was a little bit slower, right? So um, it does, if you kind of nip it too much, you, the, the risk is that you lose the pebble basically it starts to go flat. It, it, and then the bigger thing is the stones just grind. They just don't slide as far. They also papered the rocks prior to this last day's games, which is where they'll... Well, actually, Jonathan, you explain it. Uh, (laughs) I mean, the short answer is basically they take sandpaper, a specific kind of sandpaper, and stroke it across the stones a little bit. That makes the running surface underneath the stone sharper. And as we started to learn over the last decade... Um, it's actually the scratching of the stones on the ice and then the stones on the backside kind of grabbing that scratch is what causes the stones to curl. So um, papering the rocks makes the stones curl more, basically. And it's also it's actually they discovered it's the scratching from the, the brushing that's what was causing all the broomgate stuff. So uh, it's doing the same thing, basically. All right, so they're doing all they can to encourage more curls. Some teams have been better at figuring out the changes in the ice and the stones uh, compared to others. And that's all, that's, I think always the case. Um, I think that that probably plays a little bit in the hands of Brad Gushu and Jen Jones, like two of the more experienced skips in Mm -hmm. the field. who have probably played under a lot of conditions. Uh, Some of the younger skips who are used to playing under perfect ice conditions, maybe, maybe struggle a little bit with those kind of nuances, but uh 
that can kind of be an advantage to a more experienced skip, I'd say. All right, so let's look at the teams that are currently kind of at the top of the standings. On the men's side, there's three of them, Sweden, Great Britain, and Canada. I do feel pretty good about the three of them all making it to playoffs. On the women's side, uh, the current teams with two losses or fewer are Switzerland, Japan, Sweden, and the United States. Starting with the men's side and those top three teams, is there anything you've noticed that kind of differentiates the three of them? Uh, from the field? Among each other. Team look seems a little less sharp than normal. I will say that. Like they're they they can throw some shots where it's like basically what they look like when they're winning slams, but there's a few they had a little struggle today putting away uh Switzerland, which they don't normally have. And so they they basically got themselves a nice dominant position and then they kind of missed a couple of peel shots that they don't normally miss. And Switzerland was able to get a little something something going. And uh Ben, Ben Schwartz on his last stone was trying a really tricky split and he almost made it. It would have been a shot for three to tie the game up. Uh, kind of ended up missing it and that was the, the ball game basically. But well, I mean, there's another end after that, but that was, that was kind of it. So there's a little bit of a gap there. My, and I can't quite explain this, but my rock, paper, scissors theory of, uh, <laughs> of this field. And it's basically, if you look at like kind of the high profile profile battles between these teams over the last few years is Moet's kind of had a Dean's number, especially in the Europeans. Brad Gushu has a, has a really good record against Moet, but doesn't have a great record against the Dean. So it's, it's this kind of weird thing where I think, I mean, it's probably just the way they match up strategically that Canada seems to beat Moet struggle against the Dean and a Dean seems to struggle against Moet, but ha- seems to have Canada's number. Um, so. so it'll be interesting to see who winds up in second and third position, having to play the other in the semifinal. That that could be decisive, I think. I, I, I if it, it might if the, the one explanation I have is it it seems to be that of the three, Adin is the most defensive. Gushu's I'd say the most balanced, but he's really this that kind of um, playing the analytics, playing the numbers, very kind of control curler, like get ahead and stay ahead is his style. And then Moet's the most aggressive of those three. Like he calls the most aggressive game. So, uh, and for whatever reason, Moet's aggression seems to trump a Dean's defensiveness, but seems to struggle a bit against Canada's balancedness. But Canada's balancedness seems to lose to the defensiveness of a Dean, if that makes sense. <laughs> All right. And then on the women's side, Switzerland, Japan, Sweden, the United States, no guarantee that that any of them will be in the playoffs. Although Switzerland, I have a, I, I feel pretty good about Switzerland uh, being in the playoffs. Have you noticed anything about them uh, in terms of how they match up with each other? I still think Switzerland's the best team. <laughs> I just, I just, I think it's, I know the field's deeper and that's true, but until someone knocks them off. And I know Hasselberg beat them today, but let's mm-hmm. see it in the final kind of thing because they've beaten them lots of times in the round robin and kind of in the final kind of come up short. Until someone knocks them off, I'm, I am I would keep putting my money on um, Tiranzoni. Both teams kind of struggled with Hammer today and wound up having to chase the other um, with Hammer. That was that was something that was interesting. It was Whoever had Hammer seemed like they were in trouble <laughs> the whole time. One of the subtleties of the five rock is that it it gives the team that gets there first a bit of an advantage, if that makes sense. Because there's more rocks in play, the first person into the forefoot 
then you, you're going to have to chase, right? Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. um, you're more often than not, the guard goes up first, but the first team to get that good positioning set up in the center, uh, the other team's chasing all in. So steals are certainly possible. Forces are always there for the taking. And especially on the women's side, you don't, you don't see that blast your way home anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, the Jen Jones, um, Jen Jones GB game today against Muirhead, the way, the way Jen Jones put the game away was by playing a series of draws, right? Now, it was actually funny. I was watching the, the British curling coverage and Jackie Lockhart's, why is she not peeling that stone? And Jen's like, I'm sitting three. I'm going to play, play, play a guard here and then leave Eve like an impossible run triple to, to try to win it, which wasn't there. She tried she did as well as she could. It just wasn't there. Um, way more rocks in play. And so there's always going to be chances for steals. There's always going to be chances for big ends, basically. So a lot of it may come down to the second's ability to draw and get that, get that rock uh, in position behind a guard to kind of force that pile, as you've referred to it. Yeah, and I think that's the big subtlety with the five rock, like just even coaching, because we haven't, we haven't played much five rock, right, with the pandemic yeah. intervening. So just coaching the boys team this year, three of our five timeouts were us leading uh, with without hammer, what do you do on the fifth rock, mm. <laughs> right? Because before you'd basically throw your two in and then you'd rip on your fifth rock, right? And your second was a hitter right basically mm-hmm. that's where you put your hit and sweep guy right and actually you can't do that you know it's very few set like archer while harry practice our lead practices the tick shot our second does not uh and he's he can throw it hard and he can sweep well that's what he's there to do but what do you do then do you throw a guard do you throw a finesse shot you know, and it was like a head scratcher and i think that's that's really changed the second position that you before it was like you know you were mostly there to hit is a power position, mm-hmm. but now there's there's an even a, especially ahead, it, it's it's a tough call. What do you do to protect the lead in five rock without hammer? Are there any teams that you've noticed that have not been able to adapt? Uh, uh, I guess Russia. <laughs> I don't know. Russia's <laughs> at the bottom, right? Um, I don't know. <laughs> what this what this tournament has uh, reinforced to me is that progress is not linear, and uh, Russia's women's team is 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 the proof of that. We I thought that they would come in as an, an outside shot to potentially win, definitely be in the mix, and they are currently zero and six. Um, really, really crazy. I yeah, I it's that's the biggest surprise for me, for sure. I have not seen any of their games except their game, their very first game against the United States, and I didn't think that they were atrocious in that game at all. I I haven't seen enough of them to kind of make any comments on it. Right? It's like uh, I might get a highlight. That's it. Um, they're young too, I and mean, that's the yep. other thing to keep in mind, right? Uh, and I think, you know, when it comes down to to glory time, right, in the playoffs, like having that big game experience is going to matter a lot because it's, you know, it's a whole different, different ball game, right? Uh, playing for the gold medal. All right. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. And uh, next time we talk to you about the Olympics, we will know who the gold medalists are. And I, I have no clue. <laughs> I could not begin to make a prediction. I still feel kind of, I still feel kind of good about the Swiss women. That's about, but that's about as, as much as 
as I as I can really infer from from looking at everything. And the Nicola and the Nicholas Adine Revenge Tour <laughs> appears to be in full effect. I yeah, I mean I think the men, I think it's it's pick Gushu, Moet, and Adine. <laughs> I think all you know, I think all three they they look pretty good to qualify. They look in good form. I think that's the the battle this year. Um I think the women I, I yeah, it's until Tiranzoni until someone beats them for reals. I'm I'm not betting yeah. against them basically. Yeah, Sweden looks good, but Yeah. I mean, they could very easily miss out on the playoffs depending on how these last games go. They they do not have an easy <laughs> run, right? So, yeah, it could Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I could. Right. I, I think it's still up in the air for sure. Thank you for listening to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast. If you enjoyed this show, we ask you to please leave a review or tell a friend about us. Your referrals to friends and family are the greatest compliment we can receive and is what allows our show to grow and share our love of this great game. You can find all of our past shows and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. If you have a question or comment, you can reach us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us, and we will talk to you again real soon.